0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from The Prayer Room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. So tonight, the Book of Revelation, session 53, Hail, Fire, Blood, and Smoke. You go, what the heck is Hail, Fire, Blood, and Smoke? It's a very interesting, ominous trend In the book of Revelation. One of the things that is, uh, you know, last week or whatever last session was, we did the light and darkness sequence and talked about the supernatural light and the supernatural dark. That God is, you know, kind of uh, in a sense turning the lights on and off, the light switch for the planet. Well, it's supernatural and it's crazy. Well, similarly, what we're going to look at tonight is in the book of Revelation, we're going to look at this combination of supernatural hail, fire, blood, and smoke, and all of the impact that those things are going to have uh, in the end-time drama. And so as we uh, look at those tonight, first we'll start with uh, them as individual uh, realities all throughout the book, and then we'll look at a few of the occasions where they appear together. But <clears throat> part of the reason that I wanted to, uh, to look at this um, was I want us to just As we study the book of Revelation, I want to make it as real as we can. I want it to be not a strange book filled with fairy tales, because it's not. It's reality on planet Earth on future days with real dates that the Lord already has circled on his calendar. You and I just don't know them yet. But us not knowing them doesn't make them less real. And so often we look at the book of Revelation, it's like all this craziness, and we just kind of like... Turn off our turn off our ability to process. Turn off our intentionality, or uh, you know, intentionality to um, be putting these details into context on the earth to try to imagine them. It's almost like uh, you know, it's another sci-fi movie next, and we want to be thinking about these details in the reality that they will be unfolding. And when you can do that, instantly you find yourself in the storyline. You now, the book of Revelation has meaning when it's no longer mythical, far off, and a sci fi movie. But now, when these phrases, these ideas, they take on tactile reality in real life, in places on earth that you can imagine, in, in weather that you can imagine, on, on days you can imagine, with people you can imagine, all of a sudden now the book of Revelation, it's not far off and, uh, and unattainable, it's practical instruction. For the future. So one of the very interesting trends, and it's dramatic, it's a dramatic trend, I tell you, is supernatural reality of hail, supernatural hail, supernatural fire, supernatural blood, and supernatural smoke in the book of Revelation. And so those four together form a very interesting uh, scenario. It's a frequent... Uh, uh, reality, these four, especially in the passages that we're going to be looking at as we move into the trumpets and the bowls. We've already covered the seven seals. We're going to be looking at the seven trumpets and the seven bowls. And as we do, we're going to find this hail, fire, blood, smoke thing frequent. So I wanted to spend a session kind of giving us an overview of where it is in the book of Revelation and getting us kind of familiar with these ideas so that we don't have to spend as much time looking at them and re uh, Uh, reinserting the idea of how supernatural they are that we'd spend tonight doing that so that when we get to them we're at least familiar enough with those ideas that we can start to look at the practical uh you know just kind of how it all plays out all right first point i want to make here page one letter a seemingly impossible realities these trends when you just think about them it's like reversing gravity kind of un, uh, impossible. I mean, you're talking about things that we are very much used to. There is no such thing as supernatural blood. We're all really used to a world that has no supernatural blood in it. We're really used to that. And then all of a sudden, the book of Revelation, it's like, supernatural blood left and right. That is a really bizarre thing. It seems impossible. And it's fact. This is not, this is not red water. It's blood. The point is made over and over and over. It is not red water. It's blood. That's a very unusual idea. But the same thing with supernatural hail. I mean, the worst hailstorm ever doesn't touch what's occurring in the book of Revelation. We're talking about supernatural hail. You and I are very used to a world that has no supernatural hail. That is normal. Hail is like pea-sized golf ball if it's huge. Okay? Okay? That's like normal. We're not talking about normal. We're talking about very, very not normal. These realities, they're impossible. That's the point. That's the point. God is turning up the volume, if you will, in the end time drama, trying to draw the attention of the whole earth to say, I am the one doing this. This is not a natural uptick of global warming. This is not like, you don't go from, you know, You know, problems and like the ice, you know, caps are melting a little bit. Supernatural blood. Surely that was global warming, just took an uptick. No such thing. God is making a point. He is doing things that are impossible in order to make the point, who can do impossible things? No one but God. And that's his point. I'm the one behind this. I'm the one driving these trends. Second thing I want us to look at is that these are disruptive and, and, uh, and destructive, destructive and disruptive, they're both. These are going to cause great destruction. When there's blood all over everything, that, that causes problems beyond being yucky looking. Okay? When there's supernatural hail, supernatural fire, fires from God, oh my gosh, we got enough problems with fires in California that an arson started. I mean, it gets way, way worse when God starts sending the fires. There's supernatural fires coming. These are going to be destructive, and they're also going to be very disruptive to life. When these supernatural realities hit the earth, it's going to cause life to not go like yesterday. You know, one of the things that we talk about when we study the end times, it's a, a phrase or a thought process you really want to start getting your thought processes into, you want to start adopting is, Business as usual is over. We are moving into a season of time in the earth where the Lord is changing the storyline. And if, if the Lord is changing the story, we want to be walking in accordance to the timing and the, the intentions of the Lord in this generation, as opposed to uh, living in, in a, a past time where even these crazy things, they weren't on the horizon yet. Next, part C, page one. I gave you a bunch of verses. There are a lot of verses that talk about this blood, fire, hail, and smoke thing. I know that that is a really bizarre idea, but I didn't come up with it. I gave you a bunch of verses there. Here's one, Revelation 8, verse 7. The first angel sounded his trumpet. There came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down on the earth. And I threw in, I'm throwing in smoke because fire causes things to burn. And then you wind up with smoke. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up. And all the green grass was burned up. Hail, fire, blood, and smoke. What the heck is this? What? There's never been a day like this in the history of days. And that's kind of the point. Gave you a bunch of verses there for you to look at. Part of the reason I want you to see all those verses, and you can look them up on your own. I would encourage you to. But part of the reason I want you to just see at a glance all those verses is to just go, man, there's a lot of information on this. It's kind of like too much to just dismiss and say it's not important. There's too many Bible verses that talk about it. Why would the Lord write Bible verses that don't matter? And then why would he keep writing it? Here's another thing I don't care about. Let me just write it again for you because it doesn't matter. Again. From this prophet, from this era, from this prophet, from this time frame, from this apostle, from the mouth of Jesus, from the book of Revelation. I mean, it's like over and over again. It's because it matters. We need to be looking at the word of God as information God wants humans to know. Especially the church. And so if it's weird, or we don't get it, or it's ominous, we can't just push the delete button because we don't get it. Instead, we need to go, God... Help me get it. I don't know why you have a blood, fire, you know, whatever trend, but you do. So what's that about? That's a great posture of heart to have if this is a new subject to you. Some of the sources of these crazy judgments or these crazy elements, top of page two. Some of these, well, everything but the hail, is going to be the result of war. And that's man-made. You have war, and there's going to be a lot of war in the last days. You have war, then you've got bloodshed. And you've got war, you've got stuff blowing up and catching on fire and burning. So I don't want to negate the fact that there will be some man-made components here. But look at the rest of this list, 2 through 5. These will be sent by God before His coming. Blood, fire, hail, and smoke. They will be punishment from God for sin. He's sending blood... To judge bloodshed. He's sending fire. To judge. All the sin. They will be disruptive. Wake of creation's groan. We know a little bit about that. We spent some time on that in in previous sessions. Talking about creation's groan. But this is going to be part of the wake of creation's groan. As creation is groaning for the return of the Savior. Creation is going to be aching. And breaking out in some ways. They're going to cause problems. And these things also, blood, fire, hail, and smoke, will surround the ministry of the Antichrist in some really interesting ways. These are just weird trends, interesting things. You know, part of the thing to me that is important, if you can identify something that's weird, and you can go, that's a weird-looking thing, then you can spend enough time to try to figure out why it's there. Until you flat-out identified it as a weird thing that... You know, three of these things are not like the other or whatever. It's these, there's, there's this, tr- this uh, tendency when we see weird things to just graze over it. And I don't want us to do that. Instead, I'd rather us identify it and start to try to figure out why it's there and what it's about. So we're going to be looking at some gloomy truths. But I want for you to be thinking as we read these passages, I want you to be thinking about real live people. It's not like this happens in a simulation game on, you know, a faraway planet. This is really going to happen on real planet Earth with real people. This is, these events are really coming. We believe that this is the generation that's going to live through these things. This is an intense reality. They are overt difficulties that the Lord has written into the script. You know, we got to remember the end times belong to God. They are God's end times. It's not like the devil gets, you know, to write the script. God writes the script, and God's the one that wrote blood, fire, hell, and smoke into the thing. God says he's going to use them. Look at this, Joel 2.30. He's going to use these things for his purposes. Look what it says. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. God says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show these things. I'm going to use these things to accomplish my purposes. So I actually have end time purpose with these trends. These signs are statements. This is going to be a very interesting hour of human history where these supernatural realities start to become more normal. I mean, they've never been normal. There's, they've only been It's almost never happened. Any of these things have almost never happened with the exception of the Exodus. There's almost no reference to these things at this level anywhere. It's so weird. And it's going to become kind of normal-ish for a season of time. This is a statement of God about what he's doing, about the hour, about the transition, of the age, of, about the, the, the ominous transition from this age that's under the rule of sin and darkness in so many ways into the next age that will be under the leadership of Jesus and righteousness and His kingdom. And these are the things that the Lord uses as signs because they're impossible in order to help indicate the transition of the age. Now, let's look here. We'll start with hail. Hail. Start looking at some of the manifestations in the book of Revelation. So all these references are to the, the uh, realities of hail in the book of Revelation. And there might be one or two exceptions where I quoted some other uh, minor prophet or something. Uh, but then I also then referenced the, uh, the Revelation account. All right, so let's look at it. To start, I just said, the book of Exodus is where this all starts. So I want us to remember that God has done a supernatural hailstorm once before. He said it this way, I'll send the full force of my plagues, I'll send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. So that's the, that's kind of our only frame of reference to this supernatural hail thing. But then look here in in part B, hail described as bursting forth from God's presence. This is a really unusual idea. Have you ever walked into a room and little hail balls started exploding out of the atmosphere in front of you? Here comes John! Here he comes! And then boom, hail balls! I mean, when has that ever happened? When God describes some aspects, moments in the end time drama Of him moving and and in the procession, hail exploding forth from his presence. That's crazy. I mean, that is intense. Out of of the brightness of his presence, clouds advance with hailstones and bolts of lightning. His presence, there's a bursting forth of hailstones. You know, you can't make that uh, like symbolic i mean it goes all the way to talking about hailstones like how it doesn't like glory came out all kinds of crazy glory stuff he says lightning and hail burst out of his presence there's no symbolizing that that's literal that's actually talking about what bursts out of his presence lightning and hail the Lord will cause the people to fear, to hear his majestic voice and will make them see his arm come down with raging, raging anger and consuming fire with cloudburst, thunderstorm, and hail. It's actually describing what's going to be occurring in the end time drama. And then here again is the Revelation reference, Revelation eleven nineteen. That God's temple in heaven was opened. Within his temple was seen the Ark of his Covenant, and there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm from his presence. A hailstorm coming out of his presence. I gave you a couple of verses here that just talk about the hailstorm serving his purposes. Kind of like we were looking a minute ago at the, you know, the uh, the signs in the sky serving God's purposes. I gave you a couple there in part C. He's using these hailstorms to accomplish His purposes, to do His bidding. Think about that phrase. Uh, that's it out of Psalm one forty eight, talking about hail bursting forth to accomplish His bidding, to do His bidding. It's it's like a servant. He's got all the angels lined up and uh, lined up, and also Mr. Hale, Mr. Hale. Go do your thing. Go do my bidding. Hail, dispatch to accomplish the purposes of the Lord. Let's look here at hail against the Antichrist. This is one of those purposes. I gave you the Ezekiel passage just because it's a parallel here to Revelation 16. So I'm in the middle of a, well, top of page four under letter D. This is the Ezekiel passage, Ezekiel 38. And then right after it, we'll read the Revelation 16. I will execute judgment on him. Talking about the Antichrist. With plague and bloodshed, I will pour down torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur on him and on his troops and on the many nations with him. He's never done that before. He's never ra- you know, rained down hail and burning sulfur on anybody. Not at the same time. Even the account of Gomorrah Didn't mention hail, but I mean, that was a crazy moment, burning sulfur on the judgment of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Here it is, he says, now I'm going to rain it down on the Antichrist, but look at the Revelation account, Revelation 16. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about 100 pounds, fell on people. And they curse God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. Just as a little point of reference, I believe it's a, I did this a few years ago, so I haven't looked at it recently, but I believe on record, the heaviest hailstone ever to have been discovered is eight pounds. These are 100 pounds. And when I say the biggest one on record, think it's a million times bigger than anything you've ever seen. And that's eight pounds. These are 100 pounds. This is a supernatural hailstorm sent on the Antichrist. It's, it's being pelted. It's like God's got marbles and he's just chunking them at the Antichrist and his guys. The devastation of fire. So we just talked about the hail. Let's now look at some fire. And I'm going to move a little bit quicker here through the rest of these because I want to be able to get to the collective ones at the end. The stars in the sky fell to earth as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. This is talking about probably some version of like a meteor storm, but these things are on fire and they're hitting the earth all over in the end time drama in a, in a way that's calculated, in a way that is devastating. Well, when these things that are on fire hit a tree or a building or a field or a house, it's going to catch the thing on fire. And so you've got these elements that are just unbelievable Coming out of the sky, they're catching things on fire. It's going to be devastating. Letter C, a third of the earth is burned up in this judgment. Revelation 8 verse 7, the first angel sounded his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and it was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. There has never been a time in human history where there was so much fire on the planet at one point. Probably, I'm just gonna go on, you know, a a guess here. There's probably not been that much cumulative fire since Genesis 1. You're talking about a third of the planet on fire. That's a lot of fire. That is a lot of things burning. There's a lot of territory burning, a lot of square acreage burning. It's really intense. Something like a mountain thrown to earth all ablaze. Revelation 8, 8. Second trumpet, something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea turned to blood. This one is more about the sign than it is about the burning. But just as a little point of reference here, this is probably going to be, based off the description that it gives, and again, just a little bit of research, this is probably going to be the greatest asteroid to have ever hit the earth. And it's, it's calculated, documented in the book of Revelation. It's coming. Something like a huge mountain. So not a little mountain, a huge mountain. Well, there's never been anything that would be anywhere near the size of a mountain that's hit the earth that we have record of. Okay? Not that big. Go and do your research. Anything that we've got record of, any big craters, they could trace it back to how big they thought the thing was, and it wasn't big. Something like a huge mountain hitting the earth, this is a real problem. But it's going to come through the atmosphere on fire, and it's going to hit the sea. It's going to be a spectacle. It's going to have all the world is going to be watching this thing, and more than likely, we're going to be able to see it coming from a little bit of a distance away. So we're going to see this giant burning thing coming closer to the earth, and then lo and behold, it comes through the atmosphere and hits the sea. Fire is one of the ways God's going to be getting the attention of the earth, saying, look at me, I'm the one behind all this. Expressions of blood, now part five, bottom of page Five. We looked at the fourth seal judgment that described plague, famine, wild beasts, and war. The wild beasts is going gonna, gonna to be a problem. It's going to cause bloodshed. The war is going to be a problem. It's going to cause bloodshed. Between those two things, there's going to be a lot of death that's going to equal bloodshed. And you know, one of the, one of the great trials of war that's ongoing is you're not talking about one person in a downtown area of a city, you know, getting you know like mugged and it goes wrong and they wind up dying on the street. Within hours, that person, their body is going to be picked up and taken away and like dealt with in a proper way. War in an ongoing way is not going to be that way. There is going to be a real issue with the stench of death all over the earth related to global war. That is going to be a real stain of the earth. It's going to be a real trial. I gave you in part C, the moon turns to blood. Part D, the ocean turns to blood. Part F, ocean again. Part G, the drinking water turns to blood. God turning the moon, the ocean, the, I mean, to blood. And it says, as you would expect, anything that's in those waters dies. Because the fish, it doesn't take in blood, it digs in water. And so it dies when it's in blood. You can't push fish in blood. Don't even never try that. Don't, there's a hundred reasons why that's a bad problem. But there's going to be supernatural blood. God is getting the attention of the earth because that's, that is the most creative bizarre, disgusting thing you could do. Create ways to get blood by the millions of gallons full to somehow touch the earth. It is the most overt way to say there is something bigger going on. Overt judgment. The the, uh, pouring out of blood so many times. It's not one or two times. It's multiple times in the book of Revelation. The impact of smoke, just give you heaven and hell here. Heaven opening up and while seeing what's going on there, the smoke in heaven, hell opening up and the smoke of the abyss coming out. We got both heaven and hell, smoke, part A and part B under uh, on bottom of page seven, uh, Roman numeral six, smoke of the incense that's burning before the throne. This smoke gets so thick that nobody can do any activity and nobody can come in to the throne room. It's probably an unprecedented moment in heaven, in the history of heaven. This moment at the end of the age when the throne room of heaven is filled with smoke and all activity ceases and nobody can do anything. That's pretty intense. Well, similarly, this same idea of smoke, not just coming from heaven, but also coming out of the abyss. Smoke rising from the abyss said this, when he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. And the sky, or the, the sun and the sky, were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. This idea of supernatural smoke from heaven, supernatural smoke from hell. What an interesting trend. This is not natural smoke, this is not a little bonfire. These are things that are occurring in supernatural ways. I gave you a couple other examples. I just want to go to the uh, the last one, part E, because this is going to be such an all encompassing reality in the earth when it occurs, when the harlot Babylon is judged and she is set on fire. Now this is specifically speaking about the city of Babylon that will be rebuilt. It's not built right now, that will be rebuilt. But look at this, it focuses on the burning subject every time. Every time God is talking about judging Babylon, he's using fire and burning. It's part of the judgment, it's it's part of the the picture that we're supposed to understand of of Babylon being burned to the ground. Look at this, uh, middle of page 8. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared in her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Revelation 18, 18, when they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, was there ever a city like this great city? Revelation 19, 3, and they shouted, hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Talking about the burning and the judgment of Babylon. God is going to use that smoke, that burning, as an ominous picture of judgment in the last days. Right now, we don't have a frame of reference for this. I mean, this one is as strange to us as the blood thing, because all the fires that we're used to are so small and contained, even the really, really big ones. I'm talking about even the things that are occurring right now and and, and recently in California and the burnings. These things, it's not like it's ever going to make it across the ocean. I mean... Eventually, there's gonna, they're going to be able to stop it. We're talking about burning and fire in ways that are so out of proportion from anything we've ever seen or imagined before. And it's real. It's real. <clears throat> Last point that I'll make, and then we'll break into groups for discussion, <clears throat> some occasions where they all appear together. I gave you a uh, hearing. Uh, if they don't all appear, then a bunch of them appear. Revelation 6.4, another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth. That's war, to make people kill each other. And to him was given a large sword. In that war, there's going to be lots of explosions and fires and burning. We already talked about that just a little bit. But that's one of the occasions where these things are showing up together. In order for us to start imagining the future the way that it will be and not maybe the way that we kind of, in wishful thinking, ignore so many Bible verses, we want to be looking at what the Word says and imagining the future of the planet the way that the Word says. One, so that we're not taken aback by it, that, this, that these days don't close on us like a trap unexpectedly. Another, that our hearts might be able to bear the weight and the burden of these things earlier in preparation as opposed to in that moment just all being all consumed. And so that also we can understand the purposes of the Lord and partner with them. Part B, the first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came, I want you to think about this for a moment, there came a plague that included hail, fire, and blood. Hail and fire mixed with blood coming out of the sky. How does that even happen? Hail melts fire, and where'd the blood come from? When was the last time it rained blood? Hail, fire mixed with blood coming down on the earth. This is a wild combination of these realities. I gave you a few others here. There's other examples, you know, in the Word. But here's kind of my, my point tonight with this, as we'll break into groups here in just a moment. Whether we are familiar with these things or not, whether we're comfortable thinking about them, talking about them or not, They're in the word and they're coming. They're in the word and they're coming. The responsible Bible student looks at these things and goes, I have to at least get familiar enough with these things that I can talk about them and not just go, ooh, gross, I don't want to talk about it. That I can actually imagine them instead of just dismissing them because it's all just a fairy tale anyway. We've got to be able to look at what the Word says, picture these things, because He gave us the book of Revelation so that the servants of God might know what soon will take place. That's the reason we were given this information. So the, the question is um, pretty detailed, uh, related to the, those that are celebrating or lamenting the burning of Babylon in Revelation 18 and 19 the question is: Is it two audiences? Absolutely. So, the um, the first two accounts that I gave you are the men of the earth who were in deep partnership with Babylon, and they are lamenting her destruction and her burning. And then in Revelation 19, uh, it's heaven's perspective, and I think you should probably we should probably put the uh, and uh, the uh, resurrected saints in that category as well. Uh, uh, the, the saints in that hour and then later the resurrected saints because Babylon will continue burning forever and ever it says uh, but uh, in the Revelation uh, 19 verse 3 it says hallelujah the smoke from her goes up forever and ever that is the heavenly perspective so before it was the earthly perspective then that's the heavenly perspective but it's interesting that both are focused on the smoke so you just kind of I don't know like when I see a fire I don't mostly think about the smoke I mostly think about the fire so what is it about this smoke that is so over the top, so much more, that's caused both the men of the earth and heaven's perspective to both be talking about the smoke of her burning? So a great question. Beautiful question. So uh, the, uh, the thought process of all of the burning, uh, we know that in a, in a, uh, that forest burning is actually an important part of the process so that the nutrients get back into the soil and causes the soil to then be fertile and actually wind up producing uh, better and more in the coming seasons. Um, so the question was, if so we got giant hailstones, uh, that's water coming out of the sky, uh, but it's coming uh, right after all the burning of the earth, a third of the earth is burning. So is God in uh, the Revelation uh, chapter 8, passage 8, 7, I think is the verse, is God uh, doing some divine gardening? Uh, in order to prepare the earth. Absolutely. I mean, and that's a great picture to be thinking about. Not only that, but all the bloodshed, uh, the dead going into the earth and their nutrients. I mean, that's part of it too. The Lord is cleansing the earth. And so he is absolutely preparing the earth for the next age. And it will be, the earth will be the most fertile that it's ever been. Uh, You've got kind of a restart in a lot of ways. And so uh, this... This series of judgments causes a fertile earth in a similar way that the flood did. You kind of wipe everything off, get a good watering, you know, kind of wash away some of the silt and stuff. Now, there's going to be a lot of that. Now, I will say this, the cleanup process is going to be unbelievable after all the mess happens, the first decades of the millennia. Uh, our, our millennium are all going to be clean up. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be so much work to do related to cleaning things up. However, it really will have the, the grace of the Lord on it because of all the supernatural, you know, vegetation and all that kind of stuff uh, because of some of these gardening points that you guys uh, pointed out. So I think that is a great picture to use as a, as a lens, one of 100 lenses. One of the lenses that we're using to see the end times through Is the Lord preparing the earth for the next age? So that's a great question. The question was, uh, in the midst of all the fire, here we go, found it, Isaiah 43. Um, uh, Yeah, Uh, what will things look like? All this fire is going on, but the saints are sealed. So what does it look like for the saints to be walking through all this fire? If a third of the earth is on fire, that's going to be a real problem. Uh, Where do the saints fit into that? How does that look? We've got the, what was brought up in the question was the uh, reference to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. uh, And their, you know, crazy, fiery furnace moment. What will things look like? I think we have that as a picture to be leaning on. uh, But Isaiah 43, uh, verse 2, answers this pretty spot on uh, in a a very, you know, real way. Um, Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, it will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And so very much a, what will it look like? Man, those flames will not set you ablaze. It's like, I just can't wait to go walk in that fire. It's going to be lots of fun. I might be looking for some. So, uh, yes, great point. Uh, very great connection point there, yeah. Great, great question. So uh, the question is in Revelation 8:7, it says all the green grass is burned up, or all you know all the grass. The idea is the judgment uh, of that particular trumpet is judging all the vegetation. But then it says uh, just a few verses later, uh, in Revelation 9, related to the authority that the uh, one of the demonic hordes has, uh, it says that they can't touch the green grass. They're not. Their capacity isn't to hurt green grass. So you've got green grass in two places in the earth in a very uh, short number of verses from one another. What's happening there? How does that work? So time has passed. This is actually one of the passages that helps us to understand the passing of time between judgments in the book of Revelation. It's actually one of the keys that helps us to understand the... Uh, the, the uptick of events in, uh, in quick su- succession, um, you want to be thinking about the seals, trumpets, and bulls kind of along these lines of thinking. Okay, this is kind of a general, but it at least gets you thinking in the right direction. The seals are going to take probably a, a couple of years. I mean, the seals are going to take, take, you know, if not a couple of years, it's going to take a year and a half, a year, close to two years, 20 months. The seals are going to take a while, you know, because the events of the seals, you can't feel their impact until it's lasted a long time. War, famine, plague, I mean, famine, you don't feel the impact of that in 15 minutes. You feel that over time. So you want to be thinking of the seals as lasting lots and lots and lots of months, maybe even a couple of years. I think two years is probably a a better way to think about it, two, two and a half years even. Then you want to talk about the, the trumpets as lasting months each, each trumpet, you know, kind of lasting a period of months. And now, you know, if you've got that, if we said the other one's two years, now you've got a year and a half for these other seven trumpets to, to occur. Uh, these seven trumpets, um, there's going to be at least a full season of time uh, between these judgments occurring so that the grass actually has time to grow back and therefore, be part of the equation. So I think I don't know that John maybe knew exactly why he was writing green grass, green grass, but I think it was very intentional of the Holy Spirit to help us understand timing. Uh, so excellent question, uh, worship leader or team, if you'll come on up. Those are the kinds of details you want to be paying attention to in the Book of Revelation. You want to be looking at and going because it's not accidental. It's not like oh that's a mistake or oh that must be the same thing. You want to be thinking about these are chronologically occurring. So if this happens and then some time passes, well, everybody knows a fire that burns up grass, y- you come back two months later and there's grass there. I mean, it's not like it's no grass for the rest of forever. And so, uh, so anyway, you want to be kind of thinking about those things. So there's a great question, great uh, point of connection there. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayeroomdfw.com. Thank you.